Come gather ye friends around your flickering bonfires and listen to tales... Daring horror and high adventure, blah, 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 blah. Bilbo! Sorry, dear Uncle Bob Bob, sorry, but I've grossly misjudged the scale of the plot and I don't want to go to another episode. We'll be out of November and on to Christmas at this rate, won't we, Tombo? Indeed, Pear Bear. We need that time for a holiday special. Father Christmas versus the Dark Elves, lethargically presented by... The Cellar History Boys Show! Well, at least I got to do that bit. Cue dramatic music. We last left our tale, flapping in the wind, with Baron Monteagle riding like the devil from his abode in the village of Hoxton near London. The musty smell of perspiring horse and the finest Latin-flavoured vape that Shoreditch has to offer. And the unmistakable stench of treason, for Monteagle carried a suspicious letter, a letter delivered to Robert Cecil. The King's Spymaster. A letter over which the two men poured deeply. But you know that, dear listener. Back in the village of Hoxton, Monteagle's man, Thomas Ward. The manservant who received suspicious delivery of the letter by a masked postman who was unknown to him. Thomas Ward, who was himself a Catholic recusant, did some gentle exploring of his own on the Catholic information superhighway. Basically, he asked about it. On hearing of this problematic letter that seemed to blow the bleeding doors off the plot, Robert Catesby and Thomas Winter especially were not pleased. Everywhere, you say? Everywhere, can you believe it? And each one contains a priest? You are sworn to secrecy, Jose. I know what a naughty little tattletale you are. Pot kettle black, my dear Francis. Now hold still, or these hoes will get all floopy when you canter. Oh, you know which celebritask is all floopy when cantering, Jose. Oh, stop it, you. Francis Tresham, you muggy little traitor. Oh, uh, Cousin Thomas. Cousin Francis. Oh, hey, Robert Catesby. Also cousin. What is the meaning of this? Steal your tongue, you muggy little tailor. That's Jose Gallagher skins to you, brute. The finest tailor in the London area. I don't care if you're the almighty himself. You'll be still and quiet. Calm yourself, Cousin Robert. Jose really is the finest pants man around, and, and, and you're making him nervous. And by association, me, all floopy. Well, let me straighten your crooked hose, then. No! You little letter-writing urchin. We should lose you in the Thames, we should. Tell me, Francis, what is to stop me letting Thomas Winter here tie you up into an uncomfortable little knot? Much like the uncomfortable little knot I currently have in my tummy. Discomfort? Pound to a penny, your trunk hose are incompatible with your gait and... Oh, not the right time? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I should make myself scarce. Perhaps you should, Taylor. Tell you what, you pop off and I'll make sure all my mates come to you for all their various hosiery needs. Ooh, a baker's dozen of new clients. Christmas has come early. Francis, he could be talking about any 13 men. Um, Jose, if you wouldn't mind. I'll be next door. You and your letters, Tresham, how could you whip family? I swear, I don't know what you're talking about. The Monteagle letter. Um, who? Sorry? William Parker. Fourth Baron Monteagle, your brother-in-law. Oh yes, Monty, how is he? No doubt, cream crackered from a quick ride to Whitehall with that flipping letter. I am not the author. I've never trusted you, Tresham. You waste trust like you waste money, you wild, unstayed man. Cousin Robert, Cousin Thomas, what must I need to say to prove my innocence? Stop wasting energy, you British grass. It's good to be in control, eh, Francis? So what do they promise you for your cryptic writings? Nobody promised me anything, I swear. This is absurd theatre in the extreme. Listen, why didn't I just go and see Monteagle and tell him personally? Nobody would have batted an eyelid at me dropping by to see him. You know, a nice little private meeting. Wait, how did you find out about the letter? A masked stranger delivered it to Monteagle's man. Oh, 
little Tommy Ward. Did you know he's related to the Wright brothers by marriage? And The Wrights are not wrong'uns, Francis. Don't you twist this. Okay, okay. All I'm saying is, why would I expose this secret to unnecessary eyes and ears? Why write a cryptic letter as proof? I swear, I will swear on the Bible. The King's Bible, no doubt. N- no, no, no. I believe him. For the love of... Oh! All right, put him down, Thomas. But Robert... He'll swear on our Bible, Thomas. Surely we're now exposed, Robert. Can I suggest legging it? Nope! I'm certain there's not enough in this letter to endanger our plans. Plus, I'm too far gone with the fanaticism. This is crazy talk. Why, nothing is crazy if God wills it! (laughs) Ha 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 ha! On the 1st of November, 1605, King James returns to London from a hunting trip. Robert Cecil is waiting, letter in hand. The King will see you now, Mr. Secretary. Excellent. How is his mood? In fine spirits, many a bore was skewered. Good to hear. Time to skewer my own bore. Uh, This way, please. Ah, Robert Cecil. To what do I owe the pleasure? I doubt you're here to commend me as King of the Boars, although you should. I caught so many. It would be my honour to proclaim you as King of Boars, Your Highness, but alas, I come with puzzling news. If it indeed can be considered news at all. Out with it now, Cecil. It's a letter, Your Highness. It's probably not even worth your time. Bring it, me Kingsman. Yes, my king. It came into my possession a week ago, and I must admit I am entirely stumped. Ah, you want another keen eye, eh? Indeed, my king, and yours are arguably the keenest in all Christendom. I know, just ask those boars, eh, Kingsman? Indeed, sir. All right, let's have a read. <clears throat> My lord, out of the land I bear you, to some excuse to shift of your attendance to... Yet I say they shall receive a terrible blow. Cecil, what is this? I know, your highness. Not even worthy of your time, I'm sure. Are you blind, Cecil? Blind to the blindingly obvious? I'm not sure I know what you mean. My God, man, it's like... It's like passing a perfectly good boar. I'm thinking it was a rock. A boar-shaped rock. Your Highness? Blow, Robert. Blow! Let's save it for the Mask of Solomon and Sheba, shall we, sire? Blow! They shall receive a terrible blow. Cecil, they mean Parliament. They mean me. Oh, you don't say, my king. Searing insight, your majesty. An assassination attempt? Oh, how did I miss this? Dread and blast. Blast? Blast! By all that is holy, man, they mean to blow me up! Explosive reasoning, my king. This isn't my first rodeo, Cecil. Kingsman, my journal. Yes, sir. It's not paranoia if they're all out to get you by King James VI of Scotland. Dear journal, is it me or do all adults suck? Mother Mary has been banged up in super-suspicious circumstances. Um, I wouldn't know much about that, sir. Cue a rotating cast of royal sitters because I am a wee babby and cannot yet rule Scotland. Babysitter number one. James Stuart, 1st Earl of Moray, 23rd of January, 1570. Uncle James parading in a cavalcade, shot. The first head of government to be assassinated with a firearm, no less. Next. Matthew Stewart, 4th Earl of Lennox, 4th of September, 1571. Grandpa Matthew goes to Stirling, gets shot. Well, that was war, my king. Deaths happen, you know. Uh, do they? Do they not? Do they just happen, do they, Cecil? Well, there was a strong suspicion that dear Pop-Pop Matthew was assassinated. Number three, Kingsman. 29th October 1572, John Erskine, Earl of Mar, Johnny Mar, this charming man, goes to Stirling. Why is it always Stirling? 
Well, Cecil, my general asked you a question. I'm still getting my head around it, sire. Did you write this as a baby? Well, I was very precocious. John Erskine enjoys banquet hosted by the Earl of Morton, has a bit of a dicky tummy, dies. Poisoned! Uh, could have been a bit of nervous exhaustion, perchance. Quite a trendy ailment in your sphere of influence, your highness. Assassinated, sir. Ordered by the Earl of Morton, methinks. Babysitter number four, if you please, Kingsman. James Douglas, fourth Earl of Morton. Oh, yes, Cecil. How does that red pill taste? And what happened to the Earl of Morton? Executed in 1581. Turns out that five years before he was charged with guarding me, he was complicit in the murder of my own daddy, Henry Stewart, smothered to death. But not before they tried to blow him up with barrels of gunpowder. When you stack those unfortunate and quite possibly natural deaths side by side, your view is bound to be coloured. Well, having your mammy's head lopped off in an English prison will do that to you. Well, perhaps you should take this plot as a compliment, Your Highness. If they want to compliment me, then they can come boar hunting. I've been through two assassination attempts before. Unlike the SPL, they're overrated, I can tell you. There was that one time when you managed to get the assassin in a headlock and cry out for all your worth, Your Majesty. Cecil, I am charging you with my safety. My personal safety. With me, Kingsman. And you will have it, my king. Once the plot has ripened, to snatch in full bloom. Our plotters are oblivious to the net closing in. Robert Catesby plans to stay in London until the 4th of November. Then he will go to the Midlands to join the hunting party raised by Everard Digby. Francis Tresham urged them to reconsider one last time, but with Catesby, Winter and Percy resolute, this left Tresham following the hot trend of nervous exhaustion. Under Parliament, Guy Fawkes prepares a fuse, set to smolder for eight hours before blowing. He is to stay in the Westminster lodgings until after the explosion. To bear witness and confirm the deed is done. Right then, I should probably be pushing off to the Midlands. At what time is it? Evening time, Robert. Nice and precise. That's a lovely timepiece, Keezy. Very handsome. Gonna get it to Forks so we can gauge the big moment. By this time tomorrow, it'll be a whole new world, Robert Keys. Right, get ye gone, lad, and tell Forks to ride out when it's done. Godspeed, Robert Catesby. You seem ill at ease, Thomas. But don't worry about Guy. He's our guy, after all. I have no issues with Guido Fawkes, Robert. It's... it's this letter business. It's... it's enveloped me. You're as bleak as a winter befitting your name, Thomas. It's all in hand. Catesby, you in here? Ah, Percy, just the man. So, what's the word? I visited Cousin Northumberland this morning to see if there was any chatter at court. No talk of the letter, thankfully. Do you see, Thomas? Bleak winters eventually fall. Right, I'm off to the Midlands. I shall see you all presently. Yeah, Godspeed, Robert Catesby. God keep you, you pair of Thomases, you. Um, Winter? Yes, Percy? It is going to work, isn't it? Yes, I'm sure of it. Here's to an uneventful evening. Well, I'll drink to that. As the big date approaches, Robert Cecil looks to make his move and- Hello there, Bilbo. Doing a bit of solo narration, are we? Oh, hi, Cecil. Yep, just me. The silly boys are preparing for the big show. Wonderful. The official account of how it went down, I presume? Uh, I guess, yeah. Unless you want to shed any more light on- Excellent. Let us begin with the cellars of Parliament being searched on the evening of the 4th of November by Lord Suffolk and Baron Monteagle, shall we? What are we having him search for? Nothing in particular, old boy. Perhaps a bearded man, presumed to be a servant, stocks of firewood too large for the lodgings for which the cellar serves, and if any of the cellars are rented out by Catholics called Thomas Percy. You know, the usual. Right. Okay. Let's do that.
Savuk? Lord Savuk, do you see anything? Uh, no, uh, not yet, Monteagle. Uh, wait, what's that? Burn, baby, burn, righteous inferno, burn, baby, burn, burn that mother down. Hmm, a bearded man, sort of carrying a tune, most likely a servant, I'd wager. I say, that's an awful lot of wood he's got piled there, Monty. What's his lord eating? An office, a rule of parliament, am I right? We should investigate whom his lordship is. Okay, but for the sake of time, it's Thomas Percy. Correct answer. Let's go tell the king like what we're supposed to. Some hot stuff tomorrow morning. Be some hot stuff raining down. Monteagle, Suffolk, how does this evening find you? Dumbfounded, Linus. I'm sensing a running theme here, Monteagle. Let me guess. You need astute reasoning <clears throat> that only divinity can provide. Oh, yes, my king, exactly. <gasps> Robert Cecil was right about your towering abilities, your highness. Yes, it's my cross to bear. Out with it, then. Let's see if I can find the cause of your dumbness. Myself and Suffolk were having a bit of a poke around the cellars, and we happened across a servant with a pile of wood. How big was the pile? Huge! He's either super enthusiastic about wood, or... He's up to no good. You think? Well, of course, man. Think about it. Is that too much wood required to heat the lodgings that it serves? Well, now you mention it, yeah, it is. Whom does this suspicious wood hoarder work for? One Thomas Percy, your highness. I have had the pleasure. He's awfully... Legit? Unremarkable? Law-abiding? Catholic. Oh. You will undertake a second search. Or I will plainly go the next day to Parliament and leave the outcome to fortune. Very wise, my king. My best man, Gardy McGardison, will accompany you. Yes, sir. Gardy McGardison at your service, sir. Right, my lords. Let's take a midnight stroll. Morning in the morning, then I'm gone. Oh, yeah, I'm gone. Oh, I took the city about 1 a.m. Loaded. Loaded, I'm it up to blow again. Loaded, got a light, mate. What? Your nick sunshine. All yours, Lord Suffolk. What's your name, fellow? Um, John. Johnson? That's such a fake name. 100%, Lord Monteagle. You're in deep trouble, John Johnson, if that is your real name. I think we've ascertained it isn't, sir. Guards, have him away! And put out an arrest warrant for Thomas Percy. Kit Wright gets wind of the news and rushes to the Duck and Drake to warn the others. On the morning of the 5th of November, they make like a potato and chip, riding off through a brutal November landscape. In London, word has spread of Fawkes' capture. Bonfires are lit in the streets to celebrate the deliverance of King James and his son Prince Henry from the disaster. A huge outpouring of relief. King James has only sat on the throne for two years and if he and his son die, well, we'd have a succession crisis. In the dark winter with no streetlights, these fires of celebration must have been a sight to behold. In the Tower of London, Guy Fawkes, for the time being, holds his tongue, sticking to the alias of John Johnson. Robert Catesby, having ridden ahead, is unaware of the news. Somewhere in Bedfordshire, he is overtaken by Ambrose Rookwood. Yeah, yeah, Catesby, Robert Catesby, yeah, yeah, Catesby, Robert Catesby. Uh, Ambrose Rookwood, is that you? Why, even for a man of the horse, you have ridden very quickly. Come closer, my dear friend. Let me smell the smoky remains of a demoralised Protestant London upon your person. Oh, oh yeah. Mm, mm, yeah, wait, wait, wait. You smell like horse and failure. What is this? Forks was taken. What? 
How can this be? It was such a good plot. What now, Robert? We keep going west? To Ireland, maybe? We will not, Ambrose. Robert, please. Now's the time for prudence. I will not be cowed into playing it safe. I'm Robert Catesby, damn it. No, I shall ride on to Northamptonshire and drop in on my old mother, but, um... But what? Well, I mean, she's always on my back. She's always... Uh, Robert, sort out your finances. Ah, Robert, stop being such a silly young man. Ah, Robert, what do you mean you failed to blow up the reigning monarch, Robert? So embarrassing. I guess you don't have to know you're back. Ghost me own ma? Well, what are the holidays for if not that? Ouch, Rookwood, I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of your riding crop. Have Robert Winter and John Grant meet me on the edge of town. Right this way, my king. He's sticking with the story that he's a servant called John Johnson. That sounds made up. Very astute, your highness. So, this is the fool who'd have me burn. Jack Jackson, I presume? It's Johnson. John Johnson. Cunning as well as brave, eh? Perhaps I'll graduate you to foolhardy, Johansson. Come again. Aha! Got you! Got you! What is your real name, you traitor? <laughs> you ain't got me, Jimmy. It's Johnson. You just jazzed it up a bit. Oh, very good. You are a wily quarry, are you not? But you should know that I am the master of the hunt. The king of boars. It's true, Jim. You are a bit of a drama llama. How dare you! You know how often a king personally grills one of his defective subjects? I'd hazard a guess at rarely. Indeed. You should be thanking me, Johnson. You and me, right now, the cutting edge. That's what we're on. Future generations would kill to be here in the thickest press of this interrogation. I'm going to make you famous, boy. I have no doubt you have the techers for an epic debate, Jiminy. But I just don't think I could keep alert, you know. Being in the presence of the King of Boars. My hunting prowess is the great leverer of man, Johnson. I'll keep it short as not to torture you. Already there, love. Why did you try and blow me up? A dangerous disease requires a desperate remedy. I I'm the disease. You're having a laugh, mate. You mistake laughter for the haughty jeer of contempt. English law is more humane than European law, you know, Johnson. I cannot torture you to get a confession. If you're about to take a deep dive into European law and why we're best out of it, I'll confess right now. I can, however, torture a man if he has been found guilty. And you haven't denied it. I can see you're sweating now, Johnson. With all the hot air in here, it's hard not to. Welcome to Torture Town, Johnson. Population, you. And so, Fawkes was hauled away for torture. On offer were the gentler tortures, like manacles, all the way up to the more forceful tortures, like the rack. Many prisoners dared not experience that and would crumble at the mere sight. There were only one or two examples of prisoners who didn't talk while on the rack. Not Guy, though. Talked for England, he did. Well, wouldn't you? God, yes! Have you seen Guy Fawkes before and after signatures? Like Bilbo signing the wedding book at the end of the night. Bilbo on the espresso martinis. Now that is torture. After torture, Fawkes gave himself up. Reed! Reed! Reed, I'm a bird! Catholics rule. Protestants drool. Catesby. Winter? Thomas Winter? No, it's Robert Winter, Robert. You really do sound the same, Robert. H who do you mean? Me? No, Robert Winter, Robert. Is that you, John Grant? Heavens be praised, but have you got the goods? Stocked, locked, and ready to rock. All the guns are at my gaff at Norbrook. Right, lads, we push on. 
I know Fawkes wasn't the most garrulous of blokes, but the thought of him staying silent is, uh, a bit of a stretch. Too soon, Robert. Of course. Sorry, sorry. It's been a hell of a day. Dealing with a lot here. Okay then, Robert. Let's join up with Digby's hunting party. My brother Thomas should be en route. Rockwood will meet us there with the brothers Wright. Thomas Percy and Thomas Bates should be there already. What about Robert Keyes? Robert. Gone to ground. Rookwood overtook him before he reached me. Keys in the bowl, lads. We push on regardless. O- okay. Christ. Okay. Uh, we join up with the hunting party and, uh, and we spread the rumour that the king is dead. Whip the Catholic community into open rebellion. Great. Great. There's still a chance. Robert Catesby was blind to one vital fact, that he was an outlier in Catholic society. Rebellion? The Catholic community doesn't fancy it. Not one bit. Catesby only has, like, a rabble of 40 guys tops. They ride from estate to estate, preaching rebellion. When Catesby claims the King James is dead, the Catholics are horrified. They don't want the King dead, they're loyal subjects. Why, Catesby? Why? Who will now rule? My God, what have you done? We've suffered so far and so much! What more is to come? Heavier recusant laws and mass imprisonment, that's what. Legitimate concerns. On the 6th of November, for fun, let's say around the time Guy Fawkes met with King James, the plotters raid Warwick Castle for supplies. But, unfortunately, a turn back because the entrance fee is just too steep. Catesby gives his manservant, Thomas Bates, a letter to be delivered to Father Garnet, warning him to make like the Pope's representative mate and leg it. On the evening of the 7th of November, the remaining plotters reach their safe harbour. Holbeck House on the Shropshire border. The property of Stephen Littleton, a member of the hunting party who hadn't abandoned the cause. Ye Catholic gads, what a storm! <laughs> Why, this is always rain on me! Is it because you lied to the Catholics about the king being blown to smithereens? Oh, get off my back, Jack! Oh, it, it's Kit, right? Uh, Jack's over there. Where? All right! Okay, I get that you're both here. N- nobody cares anymore. My God, this is demoralizing. Then you're not going to like this, Robert. The powder is knackered. Define knackered, Percy. It's as wet as a winter befitting your name, Robert. I'm Thomas. Robert's over there. Where? Stop it! Everyone just pack it in, will you? I'm tired and disillusioned and I just want some good news about our weapons and kit. Right? Well, it, 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 it turns out what I thought was the plague is just an itchy armpit, so you know, good news. By the heavens, Kit! Go and tend the horses, and tell your brother Jack to get a fire going. Right. Just get out. I think he's in here, Stephen. Robert Catesby? Ah, Stephen Littleton, my deliverer. There's no need for that, Robert. I'm happy to house your party. Did I hear the powder is bang average or what, yeah? Wet as winter. Well, can we not dry it? What option do we have? Where's your munitions, fella? I'm afraid Fawkes was taken. Leaving us light on a very particular set of skills. Did someone say mad skills? With a said. We're not mining for compliments now, Percy. I can do this, Catesby. Fine. What you got? What dries out a wet kit? Oh, I know this. The maid. An older brother with a can-do attitude? Heat and where is right. Uh, just through there, to the left. Oh, God, now I'm at it. Jack's through there, making a, f- a fire. Percy, you brainiac! No, Robert, please, I can't bear to hear it. But just a little bit more. Go on, a little bit more. Are you sure this is sensible? I agree with whichever Winter just said that. Gunpowder and fire together. Mm, I'm getting an uneasy feeling. Yeah, I'm getting something, too. Dry gunpowder, that's what you're getting, Winter. Now, come on! Yeah, that's it. Good, good. Space it out, lads. So, in nice big piles like this, Percy. God, 
people. Well done. Don't be shy, Grant. Really get it near those flickering flames. I'm not being shy, Percy. It's just that the fire is awfully spitty and I don't want to hold my doublet. You want to be able to hold your enemy with musket fire, don't you? Yes, I suppose so. Excellent. We'll have this powder dry before you can say... Ambrose Rookwood couldn't stable a horse better and... Oh my God, you're drying gunpowder by a naked flame. What is wrong with you? Uh, a bit long for the kite kit, but it'll still work. My eyes! My eyes! I can't see! Was that John Grant or Percy? Who called me? I can't see a thing! No, I can't see a thing! I'm blind! I'm gonna go turn round in this powder smoke. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. <clears throat> we are forsaken! God is punishing us for our sins! Blue powder! That's right, listener. They tried to dry out the powder in front of an open fire. No one died. But John Grant is blinded, as the explosion goes straight into his eyes. The rest are singed and somewhat pale and interesting looking, but not dead. They set out to blow up a religious ideology, but almost blew themselves up instead. For a 17th century mindset, this is a sign that God is no longer on their side. Through powder, God is giving them a good telling off, and they are totally down in the dumps about it. Robert, wake up, Robert. Ah, uh, no, rather, no, I don't want to go to school today. What, what? What time is it? It's morning, Robert. Well, I was having a lovely dream, Thomas. Remember, remember the 5th of November when we blew up that Scottish pretender? Well, it's November 8th, Robert, and all we managed to blow up were John Grant's face. It's not fair. No, not anymore. What do we do next? We mean here to die. Well, I think that's my cue to make like the Pops, mate. Oh, just go, Littleton. And anyone else who wants to. Go on. Now's your chance. I don't care anymore. My brother Robert and half-brother John have accepted that offer. John Winter? There's a John Win... Oh, what a shame that we didn't get to meet him. Because there simply... There wasn't enough people in the gang, was there? thing on. Oh, 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 yes, there it goes. <clears throat> Attention, Catholic plotters. This is the Sheriff of Worcester and his posse. Throw down your arms. You are surrounded. Crikey, that was quick. I say, you got here awfully quickly. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Um, aren't you the pizza we ordered? Forks gave up, Catesby. Robert I don't know anyone of that name, sir. All forks come to think of it. But give me a holly, yo, if the pizza turns up, would you? Oh, hang on, it's just arrived. Did you order from Papa John Johnson's? Oh, damn it. When did he start talking? About the time you were robbing Warwick Castle. Wait, that's just under two days ago. So... Are you saying that in just under two days our names were given, arrest warrants issued, word reached you in Warwickshire, and you had a chance to put together a posse of, uh... Oh, um, 200 men. Thank you, 200 men, fully locked and loaded, find our safe house and surround us. Yes. Seems legit. Tell Robert Cecil that you'll never take me alive, copper! Um, he's not here. He's everywhere and you know it. They're digging in, I reckon, Sheriff. Oh, it looks like there's a few scrambling about outside, sir. Who? Thomas Winter and the Wright brothers, sir. Well, call me when the big dogs arrive. I'm off to give Cecil's memo, so you want to squash a plot, a beginner's guide, another once over. Yes, sir. Musket men to me. Yes, sir! Take aim. Who are you aiming at, Edward? I'm just happy if it goes straight, Edward. Fire. Yeah, I'm mortally wounded. I shot a 
Edward. I couldn't hit a barn door. I'm no good at all at this. Yet, Edward, you're not good at this yet. Keep trying. Kit, Kit, no. Oh, no, Kit. Wait, didn't he just say he was mortally wounded? Hang on. I'll try again. Oh, they were brothers, Edward. Right. Yeah, them. There's another one, lads. Fire. Okay, boss. Oh, so close, Edward. See, you're getting better. Oh, let me have another try. Let me have another try. Oh, he stumbled back inside. Get me. The Rat Brothers are dead. And with that awful, tortuous wordplay. What's up with your arm? Broken, Robert. Who's left after the rights? Last one now. Aside from us, um, Percy, John Grant, who's blind, and Rookwood. Um, where's Rookwood? I'm outside, Thomas Winter. I just... Oh, my leg. Oh, that's another one, Edward. Excellent progression, Edward. Christ on a bike. That just leaves... Me, Robert. We should have gone to Ireland, Thomas Percy. Ireland's no better than here. That's all you know. Name me one thing. They worship the correct god in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, they do, don't they? That's right, smart guy. So we wouldn't be outsiders. And they ride horses. And they got plenty of miles to hide out in and a similar climate. Nice beaches, you could learn to swim. Swimming's not important. What about the Holy Communion? Easy, ripe and luscious. Well, it's a long way, though, isn't it? Everything's always got to be perfect with you. I just don't want to get there and find out it stinks, that's all. Will you at least think about it? All right, I'll think about it. Ready? Now, after we... Wait a minute. What? Winter, you didn't see Cecil out there. Cecil? No. Good. For a minute there, I thought we were in real trouble. Right! Catholic glory! Catholic glory! Here they come, sir. <laughs> Just like a Catholic to bring a sword to a gunfight. Men, prepare to fire. Okie dokie, boss! You got this, Edward! Fire! <laughs> My neck! I've been killed instantly! Well, that's Thomas Percy gone. Excellent shot, young man. Oh, my general body area. Oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, I suspect not for that long. No way, Edward. You got Catesby too. Two of them with one musket ball. OMG, this is the greatest day of my life, Edward. Oh, oh wait, he's dragging himself away. Don't you worry, soldier. He's not coming back from that. Uh, ow! Shot so bad. <clears throat> Must reach chapel. Die before correct God. Pride it if you, Big G. Well, I hope his death is theatrical enough for history books. I bet even Cecil would admire this framing. Ah. Speak well of the world. Well, I mean, as long as it's, did you say Robert Catesby, the incomparable Catholic icon, went out like a boss, didn't he? Uh, ah, and now to collect a picture of the Virgin Mary to my breast. Ah, where is it? Ah, yep, got it. Right. Time to die like a martyr. Fire oh, coming, Big G! <laughs> you see, Edward? Dead! Bagger! Say what you will about Robert Catesby. He did indeed go out like a boss. That he did, Captain. Right then, round up the injured and send word to Lord Cecil that it's done. You sent word before we even got here, Sheriff. God, we're efficient. Go us! The injured trio of Thomas Winter, John Grant and Ambrose Rookwood are taken to the tower. 
Thomas Winter is put in the cell next to Guy Fawkes. Robert Cecil reportedly had the jailer eavesdrop on their conversation. These are written down and presented as evidence. The other plotters are eventually rounded up. Robert Winter and Stephen Littleton are rumbled by a cook while hiding out at the home of Stephen's uncle, Humphrey. I got the keys, I got the secret is a smash hit in Northamptonshire as Robert Keyes is identified and captured. Thomas Bates, not long after legging it from Holbeck House, was taken along with Everard Digby. Reportedly, Digby had left with a view to handing himself in and admitting his crimes. The other plotter to eventually admit his involvement was Francis Tresham, but a urinary tract infection found him before justice did, and he died in the December of 1605. News of the plot spreads to every parish in England. Hastily printed prayers flow forth from every pulpit and the mood of the Protestant victory sweeps the land like some sort of safely organised and administered anti-Catholic rave. The plotters' desire to relieve the pressure on Catholics backfires. Suspicion of Catholics is now widespread. All Catholics are now terrorists and seen as the idle hands of the Antichrist. Imagine all the satanic terminology, listeners. The Catholics are penalised, restricted and harassed. Harassed is such an ugly word, Bob-Bob. All we in the government are trying to do is round up the dark forces behind the plot in an efficient manner. Oh, hey, Robert Cecil, by dark forces do you mean... Jesuits, Uncle Bob-Bob. Jesuits. Father Henry Garnet, remember him? He hid in a priest hole for eight days before we efficiently found him. He's scheduled to be hanged, drawn and bantered sometime next year penciled in for the 3rd of May, 1606. The remaining plotters spend the winter of 1605 in the tower, awaiting trial. It gives us time to get those confessions edited and published. A sensational story to be gobbled down by a ravenous public, eh? My God, yes. Francis Tresham would have loved it. And bing, bang, boom, the official version is born. The plotter's trial takes place at Westminster Hall in January 1606. Like you struggling into a new sword belt, Bob-Bob. It's part trial, part shouting, all drama. The revulsion of the plotter's actions are used to reinforce what it's meant to be English and the divinity of the king's person. This seems to be working out well for King James. Oh my, yes. The plot was great timing for him. This failed attempt blessed him with a godly seal of approval, which he'd dine out on for the rest of his reign. <laughs> Why don't you silly boys join me for the execution, hmm? Have you ever seen a man's futile struggle with the inevitable? Just Uncle Bob-Bob and his sword belt. Good morning, folks. My name's John Ball, and I will be your execution fulfillment coordinator for today. Hello. <laughs> right, lads, couple of things. You are all not to be fulfilled on the same day. Some of you will cop it today, the 13th of January, 1606, and some of you will pop off tomorrow on the 31st. But seeing as we are up against it, we'll do you all in a bundle. Righty-o, we'll take a register then, shall we? <laughs> Want any of you naughty Catholics skipping this service, eh? <laughs> right then, Thomas Winter. Here. Excellent. How's the arm? Well enough to write and sign a legible confession, it seems. Well, don't you worry about it. It'll mainly be your neck doing most of the heavy lifting today. <clears throat> Robert Winter. Present. Oh, oh wait. I are you two brothers? Aye. Oh, oh, these little con- oh, I know these little connections. I'll live for them. <laughs> Knew it. Oh, uh, FYI, we've got your half-brother John Winter scheduled for execution in Worcester on the 7th of April 1606. So that'll save the old Easter card expense for the fam, eh? Ambrose Rookwood? Yes, sir. How's the leg? Better, sir. Good, good. We'll only need you to use it to mount the scaffold, as we'll be dragging you to the place of execution. You know, lay you down, as you ain't supposed to pollute the air the normal upright people breathe. <laughs> but you'll be dragged by horses, though, Rookwood, so that'll be nice for you. 
Oh, yes, sir. Every cloud. John Grant? Who said that? Good, good. Thomas Bates? Here. Great, great. Now, now as you're a lower class of person, Bates, we'd usually execute you separately from the others, because they are gentlemen. But seeing as we're on the clock here, we'll do you now. Right. I've got the keys. <sighs> You've got the secret. Love it. I absolutely love me a 90s house teacup. And I love the fact you've still got a sense of humour, Robert Keyes. And finally, Guy Fawkes. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, Fawkes, looks like my job is mostly done with you. Uh, oh, and a heads up, no pun intended, uh, Francis Tresham will not be joining us due to a hurty wee though his body was thrown into a hole on Tower Hill. <laughs> but do not fear, his head, along with Catesby's and Percy's, will be joining you. <laughs> Oops, spoilers. <laughs> oh, but seriously, seriously, we're chopping your heads off. The sites for your fulfilments are the Old Palace Yard, Westminster and St Paul's, both within sight of Parliament. And for the purpose of today, neither will be specified. Right, let's get you laid down, you lazy bunch of traitors, you. Come along, you silly boys. Ah, smell that fresh air. Perfect for a bit of hanging, drawing and quartering. Oh, I do so love Gallows Day. Otherwise known as Gala Day, Mr. Cecil. Well, from now on, I love Gala. Oh, snap, Mr. Cecil. Ooh, here they come. Come on, then. Let's get them freed from their murderous desire. First up, looks like, um, oh, it's Everard Digby. Hmm, shame about that one. Moneyed. Educated. And, for his last words, Everard Digby has composed a poem. Ugh, changed my mind. Kill him. Who's that which knocks? Oh, stay, my lord, I come. Right, right, then. that's enough of that, please. God be praised. Is that? Yep, that's Robert Winter mounting the scaffold. Praying quietly to himself, I see. Makes a change from his trial. Loudly begging for mercy, he was. John Grant next. Cooey, Granty, up here. Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot. How rude of me. Oh, come on, Cecil. He's about to get executed. Hasn't confessed, though, has he? Confess, Grant, you guilty beggar. I am guilty of a conspiracy intended. But never affected. Rubbish. Goodbye. At least Everard Digby had the decency to confess. Should have probably sat through that poem. Next. It's Thomas Bates. Oh, gross. I hate it when my gala is stained by the blood of the lower classes. Thomas Winter does not look good. Very pale and dead colour indeed. Hello, Tommy. How's the arm? This is no time for discourse. I am come to die. Consider yourself fulfilled. Kicking on through now, eh, silly boys? Can I smell horse? Oh, and failure. Any words, Ambrose Rookwood? Only ones of repentance. God bless the king, queen, and their royal progeny, but spoil all the pottage with one filthy weed. Please, God, I beseech you, make the king a Catholic! <laughs> Psych! Extra hang time for him, yo? Very good, sir! Oh, here comes Robert Keyes, the grim-faced coward. Well, he's taking to that ladder courageously enough, though. Oh, I keys. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got a pun for this. Something about losing your keys. What? Later, sucker. Oh! Ha <laughs> 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 The halter snapped. 
Now that's pretty brave if you ask me. Come here, no, 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 don't stop on it, stop it. Stop, stop it. <laughs> And here he comes, the big Forks finale. Oh man, he looks weak. We were very efficient. Come along, guy. Let me give you a hand. Very kind of you, for I am super weak. Any last words? I beg forgiveness of the king and the state. Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 stop, stop there, please. I, I don't, no, I don't climb so high now. Beg forgiveness. While keeping up my crosses and idol ceremonies, sake! <gasps> oh! Oh, that's Catholic stuff! <laughs> I made you look. Oh, knickers. He's dead, sir. Curses! How can a dead man suffer the drawing and the quartering, hmm? Oh, what a total anti-Christ, Max. You want me to, uh, chopped off anyway, my lord? Yes, sure. Why not? Don't be so glum, Cecil. You got to see them all die. Even if a couple of them did mess it up for you. I know, Bilbo. I know. And you know what? They were brave. They died as they lived. As Catholics, with prayers on their lips. That's pretty big of you, Cecil. It's easy to be the bigger man, Pear Bear. Especially as we're going to use forks as a stick to beat English Catholics for generations to come. Yeah, cool. Well... I think I've had my fill of galas for now. Let's get out of here. Uh, wait, wh where's Bilbo? He's off getting re-educated as we speak. The good thing about Catholics is they never take the lapsed ones off the list. And we have all of the lists. Well, okay then. I suppose 25% losses are acceptable in a time of strife. Come, Bob-Bob! No, he was hauled away. Bragging all the while about his cool Catholic priest parachuting in on D-Day. If only he'd kept his mouth shut. He'd had the cold, calculating brain of a Protestant spymaster, that one. Oh no! Poor Bob-Bob! Oh, don't feel too sorry for him. He always said he wanted to be... taller. <laughs> well, uh, let us take our leave then, Tombo. Uh, where's Tombo? Probably at Catholic Mass. <laughs> I'm sure I... I don't know what you mean. Oh, you do know, Pear Bear. He's probably at that church for which he faked Catholicism so he could get married in that cool Catholic setting for free. Having attended a C of E school, I wouldn't know. You sung at his wedding. But I hated every minute of it. And that priest's banging cassock was murder on my poor eyes. I mean, like any good Protestant, I can only handle a narrow spectrum of grey. You celebrated a Catholic union. Take him away. No, 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 please, please. I, I, I felt my spirit wasting away throughout the whole demonic event. Please, please. <laughs> so there it is, dear listener. God smiles on Protestant Stuart England. We didn't just foil a plot, but found concrete and irrefutable proof of God's hand in English Protestant history. A string of handy deliverances. First, Queen Elizabeth delivered us from Bloody Mary, who burnt and murdered us poor Protestants. Queen Elizabeth then faced down the next great Catholic threat, the Spanish Armada. Again, God intervenes by blowing a divine Protestant wind, which scatters the Spanish ships. <laughs> Another miracle for us Protestants. And now this, the gunpowder plot. Let us take this for what it is, deliverance through divine intervention. So let off those fireworks and burn those guy effigies. Mine's a spiced cider, if you please. On behalf of the Silly History Boys show, they are, other than being an extreme pain, obviously, as always... Sorry. Fight the Powder or the Gunpowder Plot Part 3 or Episode 60 of the Silly History Boy Show was written, produced and mouthed by the Silly History Boys. The parts of Big Bobby Catsby to you, Robert Catesby, King James, Lord Suffolk, 
Posse Man 2, which is my possible rap name, execution fulfillment coordinator John Bull, was played by me, your dear Uncle Bob Bob. Mm. The voices of Thomas Percy, former England batsman Robert Keyes, Ambrose Rookwood, which sounds like a very expensive brand of cheese, Stephen Littleton, Kingsman, is it Taron Edgerton, Baron Monteagle, Posse Man 1, a possible rap name, and Jose Gilliskins, the finest tailor in London, were voiced by Stu the Pear Bear Perry. A mass of Thomases, that's Thomas Winter, Robert Winter, and Thomas Bates, were ably produced. Wibble, 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 Julia Roberts is in my bath by the fair Tom Tombo Fermor, who is currently putting a floor on his house, his new house. He's bought it without a floor, boys and girls. He's crazy. Oh, hang on, there's more. He also did the voice of Mr. Everard Diggory, Gardy McGardison, the long generation of Gardy guards, posse captain, and, of course, spymaster in principle, Robert Cecil, was done by the man, the flawless, but not for long, Tom Tombo Fermor. The saucy Sheriff of Worcester, the grantee John Wright, and the righty Jack Wright plus Kit Wright, now available from Airfix, and Guy Fawkes and Francis Tresham were played by this week's author, our dear Uncle Bilbo. Bonks, boings, zaps, and splats, and music were ably produced by the fabulous Sapsplat of sapsplat.com. Thanks very much, Sapsplat. Literally couldn't do it without yous. And then even more music by Dougie Maxwell. Thanks very much, Doug. That was very good of you. Um, do you want to have a fun riff on me ripping off a 2001 Channel 4 documentary called Gunpowder, the Treason and Plot? I lent on it hard, so thank you, because it was good. Um, well, I mean, I think it's really sweet, Uncle Bill, though, that you've actually watched a programme about history despite having no interest in it despite having done 60 60 of these shows i can't believe you've done 60 that is nuts 60 of these shows all about history and then hundreds more about history as well uh, if you want to learn about history but done in an extremely silly fashion gosh is it silly you can check us out at the silly history boys show on facebook uh we're shb underscore show on twitter uh we Listen, I'd like to address this. We do have an Instagram account. It's at Silly History Boys. Many of you have messaged us on it. Many of you have tagged us on the photos. Um, just because no one else checks the Instagram account doesn't mean that it isn't here and doesn't mean that everyone should be act all middle-aged and confused when they mention. So, you know, check us out on Instagram. And that, that's that's a note for you boys at the next round table. It'd be really great if we could plug the uh, we push the Instagram, please. Thank you so much. Speaking of plugging, do you want to buy me a coffee? On Kofi, you can. You can give us more than the price of coffee if you want. It's up to you. Um, we listen. Whenever we're going to do these shows for free for a long, long time, but we are trying to get, put together a little bit of a war chest so we can uh, so we can bide our you know bribe ourselves for our own time to maybe do some other stuff. Uh, hey, listen, maybe you're a real life teacher and and you'd like um, you'd like some accessible ways to teach your students some history. You can be in any country you want. You know, we we, we specialise in British history, but some of us, uh, perverts that we are, me, uh, are, are interested in the, the history of other countries as well, you know. Um, we've touched on it in the past, haven't we? Um, we've been to Japan, we've been to China, um, we've been to America a little bit, not too much, uh, but, you know, we, we'd, like, we'd like to go to America. Hey, do you want to buy us a coffee so we can go to America? But yeah, there will be a Kofi link if you want to buy us a cup of coffee or a cup of tea um, or um, a hot milk for Tom. The link will be on the show description of this episode. Um, well, I mean, I've partly done the credits as a sound check today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, frankly, even if it doesn't sound good, um, I thought I think it's think been an absolute tour de force of the credits. And um, someone's threw an egg at uh, King Charles III. So, yeah, I don't know if you all want to go and sit in a dark room and be sad about that. It's up to you. Um, it's not my king. Um, I, though he seems like, to be fair, seems like a decent bloke, um, by and large. Big fingers. Anyway, listen, sorry, royalists. Um, love you. Um, 
There's, there's no arm in it, is there? Apart from when there is. Right. Um. I Listen, I better go before this gets even more litigious. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And we'll be back for even more silly history from those very, very silly history boys. Thank you. Bye. Tra! I'm sensing a running theme here, Monteagle. Let me guess, you need astute reasoning that only divinity, and of course the Stuart family famously believe in the divine right of kings, can provide. You can't use that one, but isn't Uncle Bob Bob clever? Right, there we are. Thanks, Uncle Bobo. Sorry it was late. Ah. Yeah. I'm bushed. Spot of acting for you there, mate. But then... An epic script deserves an epic performance. Robert Catesby!